I love thinking outside the lines. I actually have a tattoo. You know, it says perspective with a box that's ever opening. You know, I, I, you've got to, the value in today's world is thinking outside the lines. The riskiest thing you can do is what everybody else is doing. Who wants a commodity? That's, you're going to get commodity pricing and commodity returns. Create something that has value, alpha, differential, drives engagement, is authentic and genuine, deep connection. Wherever that is, that will drive you into significant value. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Josh, how are you? Matt, I am fantastic. Nice. Nice. I am fantastic too. You know, I've been wanting to do that for so long. And I thought, should I do it? Should I not do it? And it just came to me just now. That's awesome. Well, you've started a couple times and then you stopped, right? I know. Yeah, you've done that. But take it away. You can you can use it anytime. You can use it even outside the podcast. Uh, feel free. Oh, I don't talk outside the podcast. <laughs> this is the only time I speak. I see. I see. Uh, I got a question for you. Sure. When I say future of entertainment, what comes to mind? Area 15. <laughs> Why would that come to your mind? Probably has something to do with the guests that we have today. But what about you? What do you think of when you think of the future of entertainment? Um, I also think of Area 15, um, but it's because I think that encapsulates a lot of the things that would be in my imagination that I would call the future of entertainment, or maybe more importantly, that is defining for me the future of entertainment. Like, I don't even know. You know what I mean? Like, like it'd be hard to say, what are theme parks? What are experiences? What are museums and aquariums and zoos going to look like in 15, 20 years? Well, yeah. there's part of me that says, maybe they'll look similar to what they do now with tweaks, or they could be completely different. You That's know, true. Completely. So I don't know. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a hard question to answer, but our guest Winston Fisher has a couple of ideas. That's right. Winston Fisher is the CEO of Area 15, not to be confused with Area 51. Right. Area 15 is in Las Vegas, right off the strip, right off of I-15. And best way to describe it is it's a content box. It's not a mall. It's not a family entertainment center. It is a content box for the experience economy. It, uh, its anchor attraction is Meow Wolf Omega Mart. We had Vince Cadleback on the, on the show several months ago to talk all about uh, the Meow Wolf experience. And then everything else that's in Area 15, there are immersive attractions. There are shows. There is unique food and beverage. And an all-around immersive, and I'll use your word, futuristic uh, experience. I, I have not been to Area 15. I absolutely want to go. But what I picture when I go in there is, or what I would think it would be like is just 
walking around and with my jaw open, like, what is all this? You know what I mean? I think, I think that would probably be my, my uh, reaction. Uh, but hopefully very quickly, I'd be able to lift my jaw up and then go experience everything that's in there. That's right. That's right. I mean, it sounds like just the, the amount that's in there, the sheer size of the space, uh, you could probably spend quite a bit of time there. Uh, and, and this conversation with Winston uh, was just so fascinating because we got to hear just all about the development of it. Uh, it opened in 2020 and we get to hear why it was so important and also very beneficial to actually open during the pandemic and Winston expands on all of that. Uh, we get to hear about company culture and his philosophy of saying, don't just check the box, uh, talks about uh, thinking outside the lines and, uh, and having a, a perspective that allows you to just gain a lot more ideas that lead to phenomenal output and phenomenal experiences that, uh, that they're seeking to create. So are you ready to go outside the lines and hear this interview with Winston? I'd say let's do it. Winston, welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast. We are so excited to have you here and to chat with you today. How are you? I'm good. Really excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. Great. Uh, our pleasure. Uh, so to get this kicked off, uh, Winston, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself as well as your career? So uh, my background is real estate development and operations. I come from my family business, Fisher Brothers, and we, we actually trace our roots back to 1915, area 15, 1915. So there's, there's some play in there, but I, I have you know, spent my career developing buildings, creating energy and space in multifamily and office, retail, et cetera, um, as well as actually leading financing activities. So I, I like to think I'm one of those people who can be both left brain and right brain. Um, and part of what got me to where I am and why I'm talking to you is we own a lot of land in Las Vegas. And so uh, Area 15 was as much born out of the disruption that we saw, but also necessity um, for, for owning this land in the entertainment capital. So Winston, can you kind of walk us through Area 15 for those of who have not uh, experienced it or don't know what that is? They're probably confusing it with Area 51. Um, but so tell us a little bit about Area 15. Well, so that it's a little bit of a, I'll say Area 15 is actually a play on Area 51. I mentioned I trace my family business roots back to 1915, and it sits on Highway I-15. So we, we call it the hat trick of names. But um, Area 15 is a content box um, for the immersive economy. And it was, it was intentionally built. We always say we're not trying to fix a problem. We are actually intentionally designed for the experience economy. For, um, and inside of what is a content box is what people look at. We have three components that make up that content box. The first is what I say is retail is our, our tenants, stuff we own, activations, food and beverage, but it's Meow Wolf is our anchor tenant. We've got Lost Spirits, the immersive distillery. We've got an amazing ax throwing place. Chris Wink, the founder of Blue Man Group has Wink World, Portals to the Infinite, Five Iron Golf, um, uh, multiple types of VR experiences. So you're seeing uh, uh, the Beast by Todd English, an amazing uh, food concept. So that's what we call retail. 
and really cool, engaging things. The others are event space, and uh, we we run the event space. We do, and what that means is we do third party rentals. Um, so for New Year's Eve, we did Playa uh, Playa Playground. It was a massive party where it might as well have been at. Bur- it felt like you were some of the camps from Burning Man came and performed and everything like that. We've done iHeart Music Festival. We've got we do a lot of costume parties that we create and produce. Alice down the rabbit hole, neon dream, as well as corporate. So we've got events, we've got our tenants, and then we have entertainment activations. So we, when you walk in, there's a powered zip line overhead, zipping people around. We just opened liftoff bar. It's a 132 foot tower where people, 16 people sit around a platform and it lifts them up slowly and they get this unobstructed view of, of the Vegas strip and they come back down and have a drink. So And it's all tied together with really amazing, large format art, cool projection mapping spectacle show um, that we curate through the space. And so it's really cool tenants, really cool events and really cool entertainment activations in a really badass environment. So it's fun. Yeah. And one of the most unique experiences out there, just based on, on the way that you're describing this, if we could actually even back up a little bit to talk about really how this came to be. You said that this was born out of disruption, but also out of necessity. So with your background in real estate, you said all the, all the land that you own in, in Las Vegas, I guess being able to kind of connect those dots and then really determining, all right, this is what needs to exist, and then maybe a little bit along the pathway of of getting from, I guess, that concept to opening. Yeah. So we, I always joke, we own this land out there, and we had uh, master planned it for twenty five million square feet. It was going to be, you know, it's really beautiful picture. Um, and I, you know, I joke around. The only thing we built was the Kool Aid factory, and then he came bursting through in 08. You know, ah, so we've got this land. Um, I had a bunch of zany ideas that we were thinking. I wanted to do a water park, the green little water park, different types of casinos. And I realized entertainment was maybe where my passion lies, but also the future. Um, and I met a gentleman, um, everybody on my team first off thought I was crazy. And I met a gentleman, Michael Benville. Um, and we started working together. And uh, it took us about two and a half years of iteration of different ideas. I mean. Michael came to me with a burnt out spaceship, utopia, dystopia, you'd stay in tents and also stay in the tower. I was like, great, billion dollars to build. We're not doing it. It's, can't get that done. Um, event space, but we, ha- but I was also looking at the decline of malls, you know, that they're, they're dying. Not all are dying, by the way, but there's a reason. Social gathering's not dying. It's just the, what the product that is being sold, what is being consumed. We talked about the disconnection people feel today from the internet, from social media, from, from the world, um, and wanting to put, put, create a place where there was connection. There was a reason to go back there that wasn't just to cruise the, the hallways to find something that was irrelevant art, the way, the way creativity um, is talked about, but never just unleashed in sort of a, it's not celebrated, it's so prescriptive. And we thought there was this opportunity. And out of that, Area 15 was born, as I say, a content box, a place that was full of imagination, full of wonder, things to do, things to eat, but also repeatable. 
right? There's a new concert being played. There's new art being put in there. There's a new projection map experience. And another thing we focus on is also a place where we could build tradition because that's equally actually as important as new. Um, you know, well, it's a small world is really important because it's a tradition, right? Versus, verse, you know, it's something new, so to speak. So all of these ideas came together with Area 15. Um, and, and it started as a 200,000 square foot content box. Um, it's the campus in Vegas has grown to over 300,000 square feet of land. We are, we just built, we're building towers. I mean, we've got other cities that we're expanding to, but it always comes back to, I say storytelling, not, not like Disney storytelling, but storytelling of of great content, unique experiences, connection to the to our consumer in an innovative way that is not afraid to take creative risk. Um, and we think that's a platform that is desperately needed in this economy today. So Winston, when you say content box, you know, I think of some undefined spaces, right? And certainly you've got your anchors like a, a mall would have, right? But does that also leave openings for new experiences you mentioned that you want people to come back over and over again so you know how much of that space is sort of maybe set aside for new things yeah we have we have pop-up space that people can come into anywhere from 800 to 5,000 square feet have some additional space that we're actually gonna we, we've done a pop-up with netflix in some of the space we have a 5,000 square foot pop-up we're so having that flexibility to do, I mean, the hardest thing is to say something. You need 30,000 square feet of pop-up. That gets a little, how do you keep that vacant? But so there is all of that space. But then we've got things like what we call our premier ballroom, the portal. It's a five-wall projection map experience, you know, 7,500 square feet. We've had Van Gogh. We've had Klimt. We do Nightmare Before Christmas in there. We're about to launch uh, Princess Bride, immersive, immersive theater, right? So there's, there's all these ways to change it. And then you throw in the art um, and all of these things. So that's what I mean by content, along with the permanency, the music, the, co the costume party we're doing. Cloud Nine is a place for, we did it last year for Valentine's Day. It's in the portal. People have a wonderful dinner uh, cooked by Todd English. We have cloud surfing with love notes on it that people get their clouds. It's not going to make a ton of money, it's, but it's this idea of content. We have a burlesque show. It's not even fair to call it a burlesque show because it's so much more elevated. But this incredibly sexy um, dance number with all these, I mean, truly amazing choreography called Rated Red, right? And it's a celebration of body types and genders and, and sexuality. And I mean, it's honestly, it's sexy and it's not cheap. Uh, we don't, we hate cheap. Um, so we, we have those types of things and then we can put something new in there. Yeah. yeah. So there's no shortage of, of things to do. Every <laughs> yeah. Um, so you opened in 2020 and I feel like that in and of itself probably could just be the question you opened in 2020. <laughs> How did the, did the opening compare to perhaps what the initial vision was for what it would look like at opening or as far as what it would look like in general? And, uh, and, and even kind of going into what was the reason for wanting to open in 2020? We saw many projects be pushed back, some you know still waiting to open till you know, the perfect time. 
but making the decision to, to say, you know what, it is the pandemic, uh, you know, tourism in, in Vegas, you know, of course, un understandably is, is down substantially, but still makes sense to open Area 15 at this time. Oh, okay. let me answer the very last thing you said first. If you don't believe in your product, what are you doing, right? I mean, you know, you're the perfect time. What is the perfect time? So we're a brand new concept. Pandemic hits. Some delays, right? Our, you know, some of our tenants delayed. Uh, there were supply chain delays. There were all these things. But uh, a few things was one is we have to get open. This was not designed to sit around. There is no perfect time. We are a new concept. We, we, we got ourselves open, frankly. Um, one of the other things, or a few things that I liked about opening is one, we have a lot of kinks to work out. New company, new facility, new thing. We get to have the ultimate soft opening. I mean, it's like we've got capacity restrictions. We're not opening with all of our tenants. Yes, yeah, some people got annoyed, but who cares? But it gave us a chance to actually, like literally, we got to get open and there's morale issues. But the other thing was we were the only good news. Everybody else is closing down. Everybody else is delays. I was like, now you rush ahead, fill the void. Every, and I've seen so many times where, look, I did this once with a building. Oh, it's bad. Stop. No, you never stop when it's bad. That's when you go deeper because that's where it's the bottom of the market. It's the best time to be doing something actually, right? Top of the market. We got to establish our brand name with no competition. Now, who was Cardi B did her birthday party because all the clubs were closed. I, I mean, oh, we're going to get in trouble. Yeah, we got saved it a little bit, but like we got Cardi B's birthday. We were on our homepage. We got the press that were writing about us. We would never have gotten that if the world was open. They would, she would have been at Tau Group doing a party, right? Which is fine. So, if anything, it was the, I mean, pandemic has been terrible for many reasons, but it gave us, it gave us a chance to test ourselves out and control the narrative in a way that didn't exist. Um, I, and it's been great, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> Winston, you, you come to the attractions industry from a different background, I think, than a lot of folks do. And I'm, I'm curious if that different background in real estate and the other businesses you've been in does that give you that that push forward attitude where someone who's maybe more more uh, traditional in the industry says no 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 we've got to hold back like I'm just curious kind of where that that attitude comes I mean look I I, I guess I'm I am look, real estate is usually a little bit different than than me just to be fair as, as Michael says he's like you are not your typical person um I I think it starts with I know how to, to I, I am creative and I can appreciate creativity and I can appreciate how you put a business process to creativity that can make money without diluting. I mean, you have to, I can't work with somebody if they're, if they're truly, if, if they truly have no motivation of money, then they, that's, that's pure art and they should be doing it. And I, I appreciate it, but we, I can take a concept and, keep to the purity of the creative vision and also put business process around it. I do appreciate building a building as project management, running a company. We run companies. All of that stuff is very much the same. So building, in, building the organization to be able to operate is a really important component to the moving parts of Area 15 are staggering, more than probably even an amusement park in many ways because it, it's so multidimensional. Um, 
So we put strong business process behind everything. Look, I'm, I like big stuff and I like zany and I've had my days in, you know, I've had my days in Vegas and going big and crazy. And I'm, I, I love T.T. Barnum. I like spectacle. I know how to plan experience. I know how to create, when you build a residential building, you're not building a building, you're building a lifestyle that the amenities have to be an enhancement to where the living room is the least important part of the residential building. Everybody can build a living room, who cares? But how you create the energy and the flow of that space, that's no different. And so I take that approach and then you put it all together with a love of spectacle and big and crazy with deep business process and not a fear of creativity. And I see that's probably the biggest thing. I see it in real estate, I see the attractions industry. I see it in the creative industry, ironically. Everybody thinks in their box to their line. And thinking outside the lines is so scary for people where I love thinking outside the lines. I actually have a tattoo. You know, it says perspective with a box that's ever opening. You know, I, you've got to, the value in today's world is thinking outside the lines. The riskiest thing you can do is what everybody else is doing. Who wants a commodity? That's, you're going to get commodity pricing and commodity returns. Create something that has value, alpha, differential, drives engagement, is authentic and genuine, deep connection. Wherever that is, that will drive you into significant value. So interesting. Uh, thank you so much for, for sharing that. When you make the comparison between building an entertainment space like Area 15, and you talk about it like building a residential home, what are some of, I would say, those, those commonalities or those traits that wouldn't necessarily be the most obvious, but requires maybe some of the same type of thinking that would then you pull from residential construction or, or design or project management then some mistakes, some mistakes we made no but um we there's a guy who worked for us we called a pizza delivery right so how does the how's the pizza get from the front door to the to upstairs how does the person come down and enjoy the gym i spend so much time thinking what is the journey that somebody's going on and how are they experiencing that journey what are the sights the smell the sounds what emotion are you trying to convey? How's that different than an amusement park? How's that? I mean, we are an indoor amusement park, right? Mm -hmm. We're all about, and it's all about energy and flow. Flow to me is really important. We have another, I don't check the box. I actually hate when somebody says, we put that in, we check the box. F out of my office. That means you're lazy. Don't check the box. Do something that is either do it 100% or don't do it at all but don't check the box. That's just, that's pathetic. Sorry, I get very upset by that. <laughs> I, I, I want some, I want greatness. I want something, that doesn't mean everything we do is great, but it's, it's a belief. Um, and that's, you, that's the same approach. It's not the building, it's, it's the intention. And so many people, oh, there's some amazing, I mean, I love, oh, there's amazing theme parks. And then there's, there's, ones that are lazy. There's amazing buildings. There's ones that are lazy, right? It's the difference. Yeah. Well, I personally love your, your passion, Winston. And when you get worked up about those things, it's really, really inspiring, uh, quite frankly. Um, and I study, you know, human behavior and employee experience and things like that. And it's got to take- 
more than just you and your passion to make this happen. So how do you either find people that same have this that have the same craziness and passion that you do, or how do you instill your passion in others to bring them along the journey with you? Um, I, I, well, Michael's crazy in a different way. Uh, it, it's the same belief, right? It's one of the reasons I, I grew up with this from my father. I go, get great people. Right. And I, I like to have people smarter than me working for me. I have we same way we spend time curating art or experiences. It's curation of people and finding, you know, our, our general manager came from Fashion Show Mall. That was a two million square foot mall. Our COO came out of the music industry and Sony Music and running startups. Right. You put all these people together. We have an amazing person programming our music today. Uh, the person who does experience design, uh, Kim Benva is, she's a genius. Um, so we've got these people that all, our, our employee number one was Meg Parker, uh, our chief marketing officer. I mean, she is a, a, a spectacular tactician um, about building brands. And so I'm very proud of these people are the best at what they do. Um, you encourage them, you reward them financially, you, uh, we, I'm, we are creating a culture of, of success. We make sure we treat all, uh, probably have it far from perfect again, but there's an intention to treat your employees with respect and create a culture of success. I also believe you have to have accountability. I, the good people get rewarded. The people who need training, you bring along. And you also have to be willing to say where somebody's not working out and then wish them luck in a respectful way. To, to move on. Um, but it's, I am uh, never satisfied that we are, my goal is to build a great company, to run a great company, have great people, have them happy, but high performing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and then with this culture that you're building, and especially with the mindset of saying, don't check the box and, and doing every, you know, do it hundred percent or don't do it at all. Uh, one could perceive that as exhausting in, in some cases to say, you know, just firing at all cylinders at, at all the time, I also requires, I would say a, a level of prioritization, I would say, perhaps if you look at saying what, you know, what needs to be done, uh, knowing where to focus on saying, okay, I, I now need to compartmentalize to make sure that I don't check the box, that I don't just check the box while at the same time, not Overexerting, so I would say we're uh, where do you find the balance between making sure that everything is done, you know, on on full throttle, hundred percent, but not to the detriment of of the individual or the process behind it. I mean, there's a few things, right? Is one we're a startup, we are. Uh, you want people who are who understand that this is not a we're not going at sixty miles an hour. You do have to have people who are comfortable going at 120 miles an hour. Um, there are times where I have to make the decision to say, no, we're going down a rabbit hole. And then there's also a lot of times the team has to say, Winston, we're going down a rabbit hole, stop. And you have to listen to them. So that's just a healthy relationship that you have to have in there. Making sure you give people, I actually, people need to take time off. They should enjoy themselves, right? I mean, it's not like, so I think vacations are actually really healthy, healthy for people. I do believe the higher you are, the less, what you, I mean, you know, the C-suite is the C-suite. They're paid, 
it's a startup, there's, they're compensated, there's equity. This isn't a nine to five job. I mean, right? Like we're, we are striving for greatness and that's ambitious. There's risk of failure. Um, nothing great is achieved without the risk of failure. I, I hope we get there. I think we're getting there. I, I'm really happy with where we are, but this is a lot of work right now. And when we get to a different place, Let's go sip pina coladas on the uh, on the beach. But for today, it's not a 40 hour a week job. As you go lower in the organization, I think you have to be much more respectful of that time for people, right? Because it is different. Um, not bad. And everybody has value, right? I always say that the artist is no different than the actual person who does rubbish removal because if the bathrooms are dirty, you got a bad experience. It doesn't make a difference. So you got to make sure every single person is valued and respected, but you do have to be respectful of the different levels and positions of how you work them and what the expectations are. Yeah. I think that's just being respectful and, and frankly smart. Yeah, absolutely. Winston, um, I think one of the things that I, you know, again, kind of go back to that checking the box um, uh, thought process is that so many people are actually taught to check the box. Right. And so when I mean, you may have people that are contractors with your organization or people that are working for another company that's within, you know, under the under the purview of Area 15, how do you extend that that thought process to them? Or is that even something that you have to think about? Well, it is. Look, I want to be I'm sitting here saying it. Have we done everything perfect in the space? No, no, we have not. There's things I look at and it's new. We're working, we're getting there. Um, so I, I, as much as I'm saying, I don't want to, I want to be just very honest. I give us a B plus in how we've done that. I'd like to be a, but I'm going to give us a B plus um, in, in what we've done. Not bad for a startup, especially when you're, um, you know, we're not Disney. Disney is my God, are they the gold standard, right? It's magnificent the way they do things. So that to me is what you strive for. Mm -hmm. um, some of it is, again, it goes back to your people. It goes back to, uh, leading, reinforcing, talking about, lead by example. But the other thing that I'm highly focused on is also training programs. Um, as we expand, um, a few things is the customer service aspect of training program, uh, as well as the brand standard aspect of a training program. I can sit here and talk to them blue in the face, training, training, and more training. I cannot do that. I can I can help design, I can speak, I can motivate, but ultimately that has to actually be a process in the company that is in many ways checklisted, people are judged on it, there's bonus structure, around. I mean, that, that's a company, right? It's, and they're inspired to do that, right? It, it's so it's all, of, that's, that's all of those different things. And that is a, one of our, frankly, one of our goals is for, by the, you know, is we're doing it now and have it in place. And then we can take that, what I just described and export it to new locations or even to concepts that we manage outside of our space. Cool. Uh, that's really interesting. I, and, and one of the things you, you mentioned a couple of times is about being a startup. And I'm curious, just from, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, at what point the word startup goes away? At what point will Area 15 no longer be considered to be a startup? Uh, when we get to three locations. So there you go. Where I, I think one to three. One is the hardest. Um, uh, one is hard. Uh, and it's 
you know, you, you want to try. I got this idea, Michael and I concept this idea. Let's build this zany box off strip full of crazy shit. What? You know, and, and, and my family agreed. Uh, and so we got, we got that going. Now we have to go from one to three. We've bought, I mean, it's, it's, there's a rumor out there that we've purchased land in Orlando. Um, you know, so it, it, it's, uh, it's, you know, obviously it was stuff was in the news and we're looking at, we're in heavy negotiations on a few other sites. Um, so that's very exciting. We're taking some of the concepts actually inside our space and exporting them out of the space too, which is really interesting because we've incubated some of the concepts. So I think as we, we're probably in the, I, I think you got to then move to that next level to get from one to three. And we're spending a lot of time on our digital and media strategy. Um, as we've now built the physical brand, we can start expanding this into the, to the uh, digital and media side of the company. When all that happens, we're not a startup. <laughs> you know, it's funny, um, just before uh, we, we got on the call with you, um, Josh and I were kind of looking through the website, just kind of seeing what was out there. And, and I said, going through the website is kind of like, that's an experience in and of itself, you know, just seeing all the different things that were out oh, there. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, so that's good. So You said that verbatim. Okay. I did, yeah. <laughs> um, but the other thing I, wanna, I wanted to ask you about, I really appreciate your, your kind of outlook and attitude, like, hey, we've not done everything perfectly right and i think that's that's you know you've got to admit that to be able to move forward um yeah. i think i think my bigger question is how do you define failure <laughs> losing my money <laughs> um, i mean look fail, there, we have failure that we've done things that have not worked i'm all right with that um i even have to sometimes say to my team or we have to we threw this event and not as many people showed up and how do guys we're building a brand it takes time slow down right like it's actually okay in our rated red show we're doing it one night a week like that we're expanding it. it's a new show in vegas we're just listed as one of the top 10 top sexiest shows in vegas but it, but it takes time to build audience and get the and get the right mix of how you do liquor sales and bottle service and all so that to me is not because it didn't have a good night is not failure. Um, we had a, an amazing party. We, threw. we did it on the wrong night. We just did it on the wrong night. And it wasn't the right time. And it didn't do it. It's an insanely sick party that will work because the, the, the branding and the design and the stuff, just gotta, we, we, we diff the night. Um, that's okay. That's not failure. That's, if you're not taking risk, then we didn't do our job as a company. And if we don't learn from that, that's failure, right? Like, okay, good. We had an event the night before that crushed it. We thought we could do two nights on that weekend, given the patterns, that was a mistake. Don't do it again. If we do it again, that's failure. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the thing just didn't work, <laughs> um, but, but it's working. So um, it's, it's all of those things. I mean, I'm very, excited. <laughs> there's, there's a lot to do. Um, I'm really proud of the team. I'm proud of the people I work with. I, it's, it's exciting. And so it's okay to, it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to have failure um, as long as you, as long as it's controlled. So then what is that, uh, what does that feedback loop look for, look like for you? So you say we, we held the event, we did it on the wrong night, or we uh, did the show, we're not getting, you know, as, as high attendance as, you know, as we anticipated or as we projected, and then being able to kind of 
pull in the, the specific data or the sources that say, all right, this is uh, what made this not as successful as perhaps it could be. And now we know exactly what we need to improve upon, do it again, and then continue to, to kind of spin that wheel as the- I mean, it depends on the, I mean, there's so many different components. So like, just to say like, show rate at red actually is not failure. It just means when you open up a show and you have 250 tickets to sell, it takes you, it, after two weeks, you might have a little bit of time to get banned brand penetration in the market. So that's more patience than, than failure. The event there was, I mean, well, that's a very straightforward event. We thought we were going to sell X tickets. We didn't sell X tickets. We, we, I mean, frankly, talked to people, talked to people in the industry. We talked to team members. We sat down. We did a postmortem. We did an assessment. Out of that, you, you, you get the data. You looked at what other stuff was going on, and then you adjust accordingly. And we use data a lot. There's a, there's a lot of, um, I have a, a thing called councils. We create, excuse me, we create councils to handle problems, issues, topics. And that's supposed to, you know, uh, break silos inside the company so that when you have spine council, when you have event council, music, yeah, you're getting the different groups together so they can actually discuss. And so um, we're actually very fast at making decisions, but we also do um, sort of like encourage a lot of discussion and then make a decision, you know, pretty good at that actually, right? And there's a reason we're open for that. Um, but it, it looks like that. Um, a lot of, of, of iteration, learning. Um, it, did we spend the budget in the right place? Where would it have been more impactful? Taking all of those, really taking learnings and always um, incorporating that into the next thing we do. Yeah. Winston, one of the things I'm curious about is the fact that I think a lot of people would come to Area 15 and say, wow. Right, which is I'm sure your, your you know one one of your one of your goals, um, and I would certainly love to come see it, but a lot of people would say this this is the future, right? This is this is where entertainment is going. But I know you also like to think about the next step, right? Where where else is it going? So I'm curious if you could kind of walk us through where your brain is taking entertainment even beyond Area 15. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I. I... I think the physical is a really important place today. And I think um, entertainment, I, I actually just gave a speech at IAPA where I did talk about you need new, you need innovation. I think tech is a really, I really love projection mapping, right? I like the ability to curate. I, I think, you know, when you think of Blade Runner, I actually think holograms are going to play a really interesting role in the future. The tech isn't quite there today, but I'm really excited holograms have potential for many different aspects of our society um augmented reality that digital overlay and I, I really do see a world where the digital and the physical are blended together um and the entertainment so like what does it mean to have a digital skin and can you wear it in the physical right that's what gets really interesting to me it's like how am i perceived what avatar am I? And it's not just what I, it, you know, it's not, did I wear a shirt today with a collar, but am I, could you see me as my digital avatar in a physical space? Things like that are really interesting. I don't really love events. I think that there's some power of networking in events for digital, but do I really want to attend a concert in the digital? I, I don't. I, I, I still, nothing beats the energy of everybody singing and cheering at one time. So, but 
but having the ability to plug in and link physical events with some digital overlay, I think is going to be where the future rests. Um, content, content, you know, you've got all these brands, not only just entertainment brands, but retail brands that I think you're going to see becoming more and more entertainment focused in the physical with that sort of digital overlay again. And so I, I, I actually tried to get, a, I had a few ideas for some traditional retail, but one of them was for, I, I called up all the people who make coats. I was like, do a, do an ice box room where everybody puts on their coat. Now I think uh, Canada Goose is doing that, Canadian, whatever they call it. Um, but I think there's that type of entertainment and then how you would buy that wouldn't actually be in the store, but it'd be physical. But that's no different than Netflix taking something and that integration, you're going through the experience and what does somebody from Stranger Things have on? So it's, it's seamlessness and connection and it's um, social conscience um, all blended with digital and physical seamlessly integrating together. I mean, I, I see that. Um, yeah, <laughs> like I think it's exciting. Okay, cool. And also kind of the way you described it is it also kind of ping pongs back and forth too. You said like Netflix as a digital content. Well, that purely exists on digital until it exists in the physical space versus being the other way around. Uh, to, to extend it even further, you, know, you talk about holograms, you talk about avatars and uh I think we probably can't get out of this conversation without bringing up the term metaverse and wondering as far as what, what you see from that. Some people say it's overhyped. Some people say it is the next frontier. Is it too early to tell? Uh, and then how does that impact location-based out-of-home entertainment? Yeah. So I've, I, I, the metaverse is a very bold idea. True, true metaverse is hard to come by because that's truly an absence of platform where you can go, you can go everywhere. I don't know how you break that barrier when you've got companies that are, you know, is Meta gonna actually be an open platform? Meta wants to be a closed platform that's expansive. My understanding, I mean, this is really going. Uh, so true metaverse, is it actually financially plausible given the people who will be inventing it? as it exists today, I don't know. As it starts to become these bold platforms, I, I, you're, I think you're gonna see that goes to that physical and digital interaction. I think the attraction space actually, we, I'm talking about uh, the retail and the IP, but like, what would it mean to ride a roller coaster? And could you see that? Could somebody see you going by in the digital? even though you're doing it physically? And how would you interact with that person? And where do you go? It's not just putting on a set of VR goggles when you go on the new roller coaster. That could actually take you into the metaverse. And you would be doing a roller coaster. Doing a roller coaster on VR by yourself in a chair? Yeah, right? Like, how far is that going to take you? Doing a roller coaster where you really go into the metaverse or the AR overlay? That sounds really cool to me. Right. And I think that's what it wants to be more than just I just go on to a platform, sit at my computer and move an avatar. I don't, I don't know. I don't I don't see that as I don't see why that's better than me using my phone to surf the net, to be very honest, because <laughs> convenience matters. I'm not a buyer that we're going to wear stuff on our face all day. There's a reason LASIK surgeries. People don't want 
having something on your eyes 100% of the time that has digital, probably bad for your brain, but I, I don't know if I'd let my kids do that. I don't, I don't think any parent would, to be very honest with you. No, I'm serious. I don't think VR, how long would you let, I won't let my child stay in VR too long because they don't have actual that, the light to their eye. Uh, so you're going to have to think about it in that sense. I know that, sorry, very technical, but um, <laughs> so I think there's, I think it's digital physical blending together. And I think attractions have content of the physical will make the metaverse really interesting. And that's what I think is really interesting about this, that this industry is um, I, I wish there was better trade associations. I wish there's, cause there's power in, we can't compete with Meta or Microsoft, but we're the content that they need. And so speaking with a, with a bigger voice gives more power. I'm a big believer in power in an organization. So I think that is also another part of the future that is going to be really important that the physical content providers somehow think how they, they coordinate activity to create disproportionate value because we should be figuring out how to capture that value and not just giving it to the platforms. Mm. You know, it's funny you mentioned those glasses, you know, the and how long people could wear them. I think it was Elon Musk who I saw said, you know, when I was a kid and I remember this, you know, my parents said, don't get too close to the TV. Right. And now we're putting it right here. So I think there is something to that, that you, you don't want not to do it too long. Not good. Not good. Oh, at all. Not good. It's not good for your brain. You're right. No. For developing brains. I'm for VR. Don't get me wrong. We have yeah. VR. I do VR. I just mean, would I want my son sitting in VR for seven hours? I don't know any parent who has said yes to that statement. Yeah. That's a, that's a serious issue. But that doesn't mean it's not powerful. I'm just saying, this idea that you just live in the metaverse and you never come out of it and it's ready player one. I, I, I think it's much more like Minority Report or Blade Runner than it is ready player one. I know that's using two dystopian things, but that doesn't have to be dystopian, but it's that you go by, the phone knows you, the hologram comes out, it speaks to you, it engages, you get on something and it has the individualization of the experience economy is also the future. And tech plays a really interesting role, but we are physical creatures. We engage, we talk, we engage. I mean, we've actually seen the experiment of going online and my God, kids have social problems. There's depression that's running rampant. And, and this is because we're talking through Zoom. You've got to be, to, you've got to be with each other. That is also what Area 15 is born out of. And that's why the immune, I, I mean, you're talking, so I, I love Disney, I love Six Flags, Cedar, I don't want to, Cedar Fair, I like Rye Playland, you know, it's Bush Gardens, you name it. There, there, there are these incredible places, go-kart tracks, everything. They're providing such primal joy. That's, that has not been replaced on the computer that I've seen. Well said. Yeah. Totally, 100% agree with that. And, uh, and and very cool to just hear your thoughts on uh, the digital space and the metaverse, especially from the perspective of a real estate developer who who lives and works in you know the real space. I would say the only space we knew of until I would say very very recent. I so just absolutely phenomenal to to hear all of that and uh, and everything that you've shared and we are getting close, starting to, to run a little low on time here. 
Um, but if, uh, if people wanted to learn more about you, if they wanted to uh, learn more about Area 15, uh, where would you send them? Yeah, well, please, you can always go to uh, www.area15.com and a lot of information there. And also the best way if somebody wants to get in contact with me is through LinkedIn. Um, and it will either be me or, or somebody from my team, depending on the, obviously what somebody's looking for that would respond. But we, we love artists, we love new ideas uh, or you know, things where we can do innovative ways to work together. I always want to say we are not VC funders. <laughs> um, that, that is not our job. Um, so we, we are um, trying to, to trying to work with people that uh, are um, the concepts are executable, but we want to be friends with everybody. Excellent. Well, Winston, this has been a fascinating conversation and thank you so, so much for your time. Uh, for everybody out there watching and listening, just remember, we are all attraction pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.